Hello everybody, what's up everybody? Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Memoir, a podcast dedicated to the experience of black people who go abroad. In this week's episode, I'm going to be discussing a range of topics. I'm going to be dipping my toes in various topics. So yeah, I'm going to speak about the change from being in a big family to being alone in your ones, different coping mechanisms I used, self-reliance, self-parenting, and then just like a little bit on code switching in the UK versus abroad, and then even within a foreign language. So I'm going to just jump straight in. Um, by the way, if you hear a little train, if you hear a little, if this whole thing starts vibrating, just understand that I live next to a train station and I'm recording this in my bedroom. So if everything starts shaking, you start hearing a doodush, 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 just understand the ghetto is real for some of us, you know. Anyway, I'm going to go back a bit. I'm going to reel it back a little bit and I'm going to talk about Geneva. So I have realised I didn't really explain properly like what I was actually doing there. So maybe some of you might understand, might know the process already. But basically... When you're in your second year of university, you basically pick which or where you want to go to. So we're given like a range of destinations and then teachers kind of like, they give you information. It's like, you know, make your own decision and then pick and then there's all this paperwork and stuff. And so there wasn't, I'm not going to lie, me, you think I'm going to go France. So France is absolute like stuff. And then the option was Canada. I'm like, I ain't, trying, I ain't trying to speak like them. People there, like the people from Quebec, they have a weird accent. So you know what? Let me go to Geneva international city what the un is there all these organizations are there so i'm thinking you know what it might even be good in the long term so boom i picked the location everything and then i got there in september and there was hella paperwork so much stuff to get done accommodation the stress of that like accommodation is a whole nother topic which i might i may um discuss we're gonna see we're gonna see but yes yeah, so i was studying that at the university and I was studying at the Faculty of Translation. So the university is big. The buildings are all spread around the city, which is a, which is a thing I love, actually. And Geneva is mad small, so it's like you travel everywhere. Like, you can get everywhere by, like, bus, and it's, like, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It's really easy to get around. And so, yeah, I was studying at that, that faculty. It was called the Faculty of Inter- uh, Translation and Interpretation. And not going to lie, beforehand, I thought it would be mad boring because I'm like, translation is dead. Cause especially because whenever I tell people I study languages, the first thing that, come, that comes to their mind, they're like, oh, you're going to do translation. I was like, I ain't trying to do translation. I ain't trying to do none of that. It just seemed so boring. And when I actually went there, I'm not going to lie, it's actually high-key very interesting like the the studying aspect of of going abroad was definitely a highlight. I I loved the studying aspect of it. The uni life and everything just the, like the quality there is great, and the campus is very diverse. So it was like I didn't feel our place was really nice there. But fam, let me tell you, some some habits never leave. Yeah, because why am I being late? Why am I why am I coming late to so many of my classes? Is it every day coming late? Are oh, you not embarrassed? This is really embarrassing. I'm coming late to all of my like bare of my classes to the point lectures are surprised when I come on time. I said, I'm not going to change my habits. I, say, I said, some habits I'm never going to change. And I decided to bring my trash UK habits and bring it to Geneva. When I say trash, you say sagal. Fam, it really, that's something that I actually need. That's like a deeper thing I need to pattern because that, I don't think that's ever going to leave me. But I digress. Um, yeah, so that's basically like a really, really quick summary of like the studying aspect of it. And then obviously Madrid was like the same thing, studying like, and I actually did have the option to study or work, but I was like, no, like, I don't really feel like, st- I don't really feel like working. I don't, I'm not ready to be an independent woman yet. I want to, I want to study. I want to, I want to be a student. I mentioned in the beginning, one thing I really want to discuss, which I think is something that a lot of people can relate to, is going from being in a big family, being constantly surrounded by people, um, and constantly being surrounded by your family and having that support system there, to them being alone. And so, like, 
coming from a big family, you are so, so used to people being in your space, people being around you 24-7. And yeah, like I said, having that support system and also like zero privacy. <laughs> Ain't no privacy in my house. Um, so going from that to having no one and like and being on your ones all the time is mad strange. It's like a really weird process. And so like obviously there's an attachment thing that comes with being in a family like you become attached to people and it's really difficult to to accept and to enjoy being in your own presence and so there was a lot of things I had to like really just like pattern that like I had to really set up coping mechanisms in a sense or things I did or like routines I did to make sure that I didn't really I wasn't feeling it too much one of the things is mental health worries was something that I was really conscious of and I actually I remember before I left I remember reading this article that was like if you have any like mental health concerns or just basically like if you're not really strong in that aspect like it could get worse from being abroad and obviously it makes sense like you're not you don't have the same support system but that was something in the back of my mind so like I had already in, told myself like come when you get there you're going to look around you're going to make sure there's certain things in place and you're going to make sure that you have you know you have certain things in place for you to make sure that you're not struggling too much and so one of the biggest things for me is sport like um Ever since I've, like, literally ever since I can remember, sports has been a massive thing for me. I noticed for myself personally how much it helps my mental health. And so I'm like, I told myself, listen, when you get there, you need to find the sports programs. And, like, like all praise to God, I found, like, um, it was free, which is great. Because I'm not trying to, no, no, I'm a cheapskate, y'all. I ain't trying to spend no money. So, listen, I barely go gym. You think I pay for a gym membership? I'm, I want everything to be free. So, yeah, I joined the football team and everything. And it was it was lovely having that space there for you and just to, like, just to chill and to like really steam and to to like you know have fun and stuff likewise when I went to um, Madrid that was like one of the first things I, I tried to do like to find sports and to try and do try and have these things put in place another thing I did that which was so important for me was um, post-it notes with self-affirmations like when I first got to the accommodation the walls were empty it was just like very bland and everything so basically I would like get these post-it notes and write like self-affirmations or just like statements or things that I'm like grateful for and just stick them around and use them to remind myself constantly which was for me was really really useful and it was kind of like a like a repetition method in a sense where I would like look at it and be reminded of why I'm even there like my intentions what I want to get out of this experience and just to it would remind me to go out and make the most out of it every day I think checking your intentions before you do anything is so good Another thing that was really good in terms of like a coping mechanism was journaling, like journaling, the post-it notes. Um, another things was like going out to places I enjoy, constantly rem- like constantly doing things that I enjoy doing, and like it's probably like a big family thing again, where it's like sometimes you you have things that you think you enjoy, but you just enjoy doing it because your siblings enjoy doing it. But I actually got to experience things and do things I enjoy personally myself that my siblings would be bored out of their minds of doing. One thing I really like doing is like coffee shop hopping and like bookshop hopping. When I got there, I made like a list of all. All of the different bookshops I wanted to, to like go to and I made a list of them I put the address and everything and like I'll go to whenever I found time I'll go to them and like just tick them off and so basically like doing things I enjoy doing and like was for me all of these things were things that helped me to cope with being away from family for a long time because feeling homesick is another thing as well like there would be times where I would feel homesick and so what I would do is literally like I would make Somali food and like play Somali music um, so watch like Somali videos and stuff just to make me feel like I'm I'm at home because obviously one thing is like having phone calls and stuff with family and like FaceTime and that kind of stuff um, but then another thing is that like, you're not physically there and like they they don't then they're not able to come and visit you and stuff so it's like 
making the food and like making you know just playing some Somali tunes and just enjoying myself was one way to like remind myself and to to make myself feel good at times especially like there'll be times where I would really really miss being at home and even just like FOMO like fear of missing out on things that's happening at home so like doing that kind of stuff really helped me to like to to not feel so bad and to feel like to not feel so alone at times I'll be cooking like listen especially because I was on a such a strict food budget yeah and like I'm not gonna lie the, the we had like a um obviously the accommodation is student accommodation right so the kitchen is shared so there'll be like this I mean this is you shouldn't do this but I had bought obviously I had bought like salt pepper paprika all the, the basic seasoning I needed and cinnamon the my, my go-to my go-to seasoning and there was like a cupboard and like people had put all their seasonings in this cupboard right Bear, I'm seeing curry powder. I'm seeing all these different types of seasoning. Best believe when I'm making when I'm making my rice here, I'm looking out both doors, making sure no one's around. I'm using everyone's seasonings. The whole corridor is gonna smell like Somali food, but we move. Um, but yeah, it was just it was nice doing those type of things and those things like obviously another big thing is calling home and like um doing facetime and stuff even though mom kept mom keeps leaving me on red whenever i used to message her which is which is long but yeah so these are some of the things i did to cope with being away another thing i wanted to speak about was the whole concept of like being your own protector and like having your own back and realizing like that there's really no one else with you and that you're on your own in a sense of like but in a sense of like protection and self-reliance and so like from the jump obviously I knew it was just me just me myself and I so like and family are far away and and I didn't really want to bother them or stress them so I really knew that you know I have to I have to have my own back I have to rely on myself completely um and like like I mentioned in the last episode that host or I think it was actually it was the episode with Ifrah the my first the first like special episode um the whole story with the stalker and stuff is like once when that happened then I kind of slipped up like I wasn't paying attention it reminded me that I need to be aware over time, which is obviously something when you're abroad, you naturally do that. You're more cautious than normal than like when back home and stuff. But th- when that situation happened, I was literally for the next two weeks, my eyes were alert, my eyes wide. When I'm crossing the street, I'm I'm awake, I'm ready. I'm like, I'm, I'm literally on like, I'm so, so, so alert and aware, which is, I mean, it was, it took, obviously it's a negative thing, but it taught me a lesson of like, listen, don't put your guard down because you never know what's going to happen. And so you know even with that story I didn't even tell my mum until like it was nearly time to get back so like I I didn't I really didn't want to bother my family and stuff and like part of like self-reliance for me was financial security and that was like a massive massive thing because like obviously coming from a working class background there's a lot of insecurity that comes with finances and being financially secure was important to me because I didn't like again I didn't want to burden my family with with financial worries and that kind of stuff and so like our praise to God um we you know they gave us bursaries and stuff or like I keep saying in plural they gave us a bursary and I had to take out a maintenance loan and I will speak more about money management in another episode I have a specific guest in mind for that one but yeah that was like the most money I had ever seen in my account like obviously I've I've only ever worked a retail job before and always part-time as well I've never done full-time because I'm obviously I've, I've been a student like for nearly all my life so having money and actually like you know the times i'm going into shops and i'm not even triple checking my account normally you know if i'm even small small tesco i'm going into the shop and i'm making sure as i go into tesco i'm calculating the prices of the stuff i'm getting and then i go to the till and i'm like okay calm this is gonna cut this is gonna cost six pound 42 and then i have six pound 50 you know the ones i'm calculating every single thing and so but it was it would go to the point where like i'm and i'm it was it was such a massive change for me but it was like i'm going to 
places for example shops or whatever i don't know like doing grocery shopping that kind of stuff and i'm not actually checking my account because i know i know there's money in it and it's just it's such a it was a like that financial security was like i've never had it to that level before but it was like a blessing it was a massive blessing and like when it comes to like financially financially physically everything it just i just i felt like such a massive relief because a lot of my anxiety and i know i don't know a lot of like anxiety or like mental health concerns or worries that working class people deal with relates to finances and money so having that like unlock was such a massive massive blessing for me and like i'm so i'm really grateful for that because it it literally took away so much stress but like another side of that coin is that whole thing of like the inner child and wanting to splurge on things and like luxury items and da 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 but obviously because I was aware that I couldn't ask for me back home I had to pattern up differently like money management was on a hundred I was doing up I was doing strict budgets I was paying my bills straight away doing like and I was doing stuff like doing big shopping trips so that I wouldn't have to do small purchases and then like doing meal prepping from I was proper I was proper on adult things yeah I was really like I was just so organized with it and like especially the good thing is yeah Geneva is mad expensive so I actually picked a good look first location because I actually couldn't eat out much I can probably count on my hands the amount of times I went out to eat and it's calm because like in, even in terms of like people who are lactose intolerant will know that amount when you go out to eat yeah you already know that whole idea lactose intolerant is is going out the window because it doesn't exist anymore because more times what you, you go to a burger shop or one billion percent the chicken's gonna have something in it the food you're gonna eat is gonna have milk in it by force there's no way about it so going out not going out to eat actually like helped me in the long term and like oh like i mentioned lactose intolerance like i'm gluten intolerant as well abia sometimes kicks in here and there so going out to do grocery shopping and doing like these big shopping trips and doing meal preps and that kind of stuff actually helped out my stomach in the long term and also if i'm, I'm notorious for banging out uber but actually, like, I'm not going to lie, I think I only used it three times maximum when I was there. And it was always, like, little, what, Arab food, med- Mediterranean things, which is, like, decent for my stomach, innit? But, like, health, my wealth, my skin has never been better when I was, than when I was in Geneva because I had everything under control. And I think, honestly, I think a, mad, a, a big part of it was just having, like, like I said, these coping mechanisms, um, having, like, routines, having systems in place, um, being financially secure and being financially, like, being financially good and having really good money management. And also, the water in Geneva was beautiful, crisp, like, just clean. The air was clean, clean, clean. So, obviously, like, that that contributed. From rich people, not gonna lie, rich people, when you see rich people with good skin, it's not by it's not random yeah the the air they breathe is cleaner air the water they drink is cleaner water it all makes sense but yeah like i said going abroad a lot of times you're on edge and the one thing that helps is people's kindness and just seeing familiar faces that just experience of seeing someone who's similar to you or just seeing people who are kind and just you know random acts of kindness is just mad heartwarming like i remember one time i was taking the, the cab yeah or i was taking uber because um, I was late to class again and I didn't want to be too late so I just jumped on an Uber and as the driver was jump uh he was like dropping me off he, he was Sudanese in it and he was like oh have a good day my daughter my daughter you well like my heart was literally like oh my fam 
this is bare minimum obviously it's not something massive but even just that kind of that random gesture of kindness and even stuff like when I would like explore and things and like I remember one time I went exploring um, like in my area and I we went to like a random coffee shop or like a random like cafe and there was like an Eritrean lady who owned it and she was just so sweet and even people for example like the people I met there like people bringing me into their families and like having dinner with their families like just like such kindness that like these small gestures go such a long way for someone who's not from the place and like is even the way I used to bank, like, there was a Somali, one Somali restaurant in Geneva, yeah. The food, I'm not going to lie, the food I ate there, I haven't eaten better Somali food in a restaurant before. Better than London restaurants. Different, different levels, were like. So, another thing I really wanted to talk about was code switching and how that affects your mental health and how that affected my time in um, both places. But, I mean, code switching is not just, it's not like a new phenomenon. It's like obviously something that a lot of um, ethnic minorities do when they're in majority white spaces. Both in the UK, outside the UK, I, I experienced this and I had to do this. And I think it's the reality of so many people. When it comes to the UK, it was a thing of, I was doing this in my classes a lot. So, I've mentioned it like a couple of times now. I go to Queen Mary, and so Queen Mary is actually one of the most diverse um, Russell Group unis. I th- if I'm if I'm correct, I think it's sixty nine percent ethnic minority, which is a massive number. But the problem is, in my actual courses, that number is not. You don't see that. Like my classes I mentioned are, are very very white, and so in my classes I'm doing. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm either very quiet in my classes, or I just don't. I if I do speak and if I do contribute, actually, to you know what. In first year, I was super quiet and it was like a different environment for me, even though I'm not going to lie, I have grown up in a white area, so I do know how to operate around white people. But when I was in these classes, it was like another level because I've always been used to being in school settings, which are not so, so, so white and which I'm not one of the only people in, one of the only ethnic minorities in that space. But now in these classes, it's like I'm I'm questioning a lot and it's frustrating because at times it makes me seem stupid because I'm having to pause to think about words and stuff which is which is so jarring and the annoying thing is that like we're having to code switch and we're having to change the way we speak but more times these people are literally like stealing the way we speak and they're using it as if it's a fashion a fashion trend the amount of times I've if you hear these people in my class the way they speak so so posh and then if you saw the group chat the whatsapp group chat they have and they're using words like wagwan and they're using words like just they're literally like they they copy and they take the way we speak or um, i don't even use wagwan because that's literally straight up patois so i don't really use that but even other ways general other ways we use things of like or just you know just colloquialisms that from black british people they just take it and use it and they're just like it doesn't even sound right because i know how you speak brother you speak so so posh so like it doesn't even sound right but it's it's literally like what text fishing like you lots are putting up an act on text it's just it's long and so this is the reality for me in in unis and this is something i'm going to come back to because i think a lot of other students have the same experience but then when it comes to abroad and i'm around english but again i'm still doing the costume which is just long when i was in geneva that was one of the most tiring things and you know there will be times yeah where in a week the only time i'm speaking normally or like actually there'll, there'll be periods where I'm I'm code switching like t- nearly 24-7 and the only time I'm not code switching is when I'm calling my family or friends and it got to a point where I was just I just became so so tired of it and it just became so draining especially like and even calm so it's British people I'm doing it around and even you know like non-English speakers like non-proficient English speakers so people who are not fluent in English but are like decent I have to speak the I have to speak the Queen's English around them fam I why am I learning three languages please why am I learning bare languages I'm 
I can just, I can speak London. That's my language, London, yeah? And you want me to speak proper, please. I'm literally like, wallahi, I, there's times where I look dumb. I'm telling you, like, I'm, let's say we're having a discussion about something. Let's say politics, I don't know, like a debate or something. The first word that comes into my head is the normal everyday word I use, but it's also a word they won't, they won't understand or the context is different. So I'm there pausing to think of a word and I just seem dumb. And there's so many times this has happened to me and I think it's a common thing of like, I'm straining to find the right word. I'm trying to like, I'm literally flicking through my brain as if I'm speaking another language. Like, what's, what's going on, baby girl? This ain't, this is, this ain't how it's supposed to be. I mean, I just want to be me. Like, I found, I barely speak this language and you want me to be doing up thinking. Ugh. It's like, there'll be times, yeah. <laughs> Even, you know, like when, um, so I would do like tandem in it. So that's basically where you, you meet up someone who's French or the other language or whatever language you're learning and like you I don't know like a coffee shop or something or like a, a space I would we would meet up at the uni because it was like a uni like it was a uni scheme thing in Moby and I would meet we would meet up with the person and they would be speaking English and I would be speaking whatever language and there'd be times where they'd ask me like oh is this the correct way of saying it and I'm thinking to be honest it probably is however I don't even know like some things that don't, don't even sound right to me so I ain't even family you might as well be the authority on this language and even stuff like uh, muslim phrases and stuff like i think i've probably only said wallahi three times max in this podcast so far but like having to filter my speech so much like so so much and it's it's tiring like who wants to do that 24 7 and the reason why i'm bringing this up is because part of my coping mechanisms partly was affected because whilst i'm doing xyz abcd things there's also the other aspect which is draining me because this is draining to have to constantly change the way you speak around people is draining and for people to take what you're saying in a different way than what's intended and all this type of stuff is really draining especially when you're seeing how like fam wallahi there'll be times i'm telling you straight up i would say something a certain way the next day wallahi the next day i hear certain people use the, the slang or for example the way i've said something and it's scary like it is straight up scary like these people the way they just like steal and literally like yeah the way they steal the way we speak is crazy like to the point where they're just they're just brave with it they don't care like i would say something one way the next day i'm hearing it again why am i hearing it from me babes what, what's going on what is going on what's all this about what's all this about please what's up what's going on so i was so tired with this by the time i got to midget i was like you know what <laughs> i'm letting go baby girl this is not gonna continue so i just yeah i was tired by the time i got to midget i was like you know this ain't for me i'm just gonna speak i'm just gonna not try to appease other people and let me just speak how i want to speak i don't really give a crap anymore and to be honest it was easier like i was able to be more myself and just um connect with people easier i'm not gonna even lie like it was just easier to speak with people and especially because in madrid the english people i met were actually like northerners which is a different vibe like northerners are great people from the north of england just their vibe is a, a lot different i really like it so it was just like they're speaking their way i'm speaking my way it's just chill um and it's accepted like it's a thing oh like okay calm that's how people from london speak so yeah i definitely think like this code switching thing is just like a it just i'm tired of it like when are we gonna stop doing that like when when are we gonna be allowed to speak the way we want to speak because i definitely see a sense of like if you're northern you're allowed to speak the way you speak but if you're an ethnic minority from london the way you speak is deemed stupid even though i definitely do agree people who are northern definitely get prejudiced when it comes to the way they speak and how like people view them as stupid and just the just silliest things but 
And just before I wrap up this podcast, I wanted to speak about this concept of code switching in a foreign language because I think that is something that's that's interesting because as a, as a black person learning a language, you're also kind of learning the way you would speak if you were actually born in that born into that language, if that makes sense. Like, how would someone who's equivalent of me, who was born and raised in a French context, how would they be speaking French? Because I'm trying to learn that way. I learn French and Spanish, but I definitely prefer, I definitely love the, the French culture a lot more. Still get into, into the Spanish culture, but I definitely like there's a lot, there's more things I can connect with when it comes to French. And in schools, we learn formal French. So we're learning the proper, like the formal way of, of saying things, like the, the more professional way of saying things. But I don't, in English, as you guys can tell clearly, I don't speak um, very formally. Obviously, I can when I want to, but in most times I speak informally. So when now when I'm learning, when I've learned this formal French and I'm going to, let's say I'm in Geneva now and I want to speak with, and I want to just connect more with the local people and into the working class culture there, it's like I'm using the wrong French. Like I want to, people imagine like someone, it's like the equivalent of someone coming to you and just speaking bare posh. Like obviously you can connect to people no matter where or how they speak, but it's like, there's a different connection of when they can speak the way you speak. Like when you hear people who've learned English but have learned it like with slang, it just it just sounds different. For example, there's a foot player called um, Bellerin, he plays for Arsenal. And if you hear him speak English, it's like mad. Like he really like he learned it from people who speak like us. It's, it's so different. You guys should like watch just watch an interview with him. It's so it's so interesting how he's learned how to speak like very much Emily English, like modern like was it modern London English. Um but yeah, like when I'm trying to, when I'm learning French, I really want to learn how 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 working class or how black people speak French. So I'm I'm going out of my way to learn slang and that kind of stuff. And it's just interesting, like, how... When I went out of my way to use those slang around friends or, or people who I'm, like, trying to get to know and stuff, or even just exchanging slangs, that kind of stuff, I felt, I felt like I was a bit more accepted and I could become part of that French group a lot easier. Like, I'm so grateful. I met an amazing group of people, different people that I would meet and come across. And it's like, I love, I love, love, love learning um french slang it just it, I, I just love it because it's like that's how i would speak if i was actually french as well and it would be so interesting exchanging like different parts of the culture because oh here's working class speech from london and oh here's working class speech from geneva or wherever and they'll be impressed when i would be speaking i'll be dropping two two slangs and it's if it's fun as well like it's i'm not saying i'm fluent because i'm definitely not fluent in the language yet soon coming it soon come but it's interesting like when you it's and it, it makes the language a lot more fun when you're learning the slang aspect the more colloquial way of speaking the language and I remember one time in and it's interesting then I can imagine like hopefully when I'm a lot more fluent in the language this thing of code switching in another language would be a, a lot more interesting and I remember recently one time in class I was we were having like a dis- debate or discussion or something I don't know and I also dropped like one of the phrases I had learned and the teacher laughed and corrected me so like there's definitely a concept of like here's real French and here's oh here's the way other people speak but or here's this informal this this unproper way of speaking but i mean it's definitely an interesting experience as i'm going through this process i i can i honestly connect more to the language by knowing this this side of it but yeah i've spoken a lot and i've touched on a lot of different topics yeah let me know guys if you want to hear anything specific or if you want to um if you want to hear a specific part of the experience i will be bringing on guests this is the final solo episode I have so many exciting guests planned for the future episodes so i'm really excited to share that with you and to for you all to be part of that conversation with us 
if there's anything you want to know let me know because i'll definitely be happy and open to answer those questions and stuff and if you are a language student or if you are a student who's currently abroad or is going abroad soon please feel free to message me to reach out i'm more than happy to help you with whether it's accommodation whether it's you know settling in anything hit me up i'm very very happy to do so but yeah thank you guys so so much for joining me for another episode i hope you guys enjoy it peace